Hello and welcome to the Success Secret Podcast with Rosso Santalev. I am excited to introduce you to a series of conversations with some of the most successful and inspiring individuals from various industries. My aim is to dive into the stories behind their success and explore the knowledge, strategies, habits, mindsets, and wisdom that have propelled their success. Each episode of the Success Secret Podcast will feature a different guest who will share their unique journey, the challenges they faced, and the lessons they have learned along the way. I will also be covering topics from entrepreneurship and innovation to leadership and personal development. Whether you are an inspiring entrepreneur, a seasoned business professional, or just someone looking to improve your life, the Success Secret Podcast is for you. My goal is to bring you valuable insights and inspiration that will help you achieve your own success in business and life. So get ready to learn and be inspired. The Success Secret Podcast starts now. I have with me Ryan Noll. He's a former marketing consultant for Fortune 500 companies. Ryan left his corporate gig to start a home cleaning business, Tidy Casa, which now does over 1.5 million a year. Ryan, welcome to the Success Great Podcast. Hey, man, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for awesome having me. Awesome to have you here. You built <laughs> a you. home cleaning business that's doing yes. 1.5 million a year. <laughs> yes, sir. Is is there something unique? Because basically, you did not invent the wheel. Home cleaning is has been here has been here for like maybe millions of years. So yeah, what, what's different in your business in your company? What did you differently to succeed? Well, you know, and that's that's a really great question because um, I think one of the big things that I realized when I started my business, and I think as in people that aren't entrepreneurs trying to become entrepreneurs, there's this tendency to want to reinvent the wheel um, and to do something completely new. Uh, but the and I had tried that. I had software businesses I started. I was trying to do digital marketing things, like real sexy companies. I had a video production company when I was like 19. Um, tried just about everything. Um, and then at some point, one of my friends just said, "Don't don't try to reinvent the wheel. Just do a normal, stupid, not sexy business that we know exists." you get the advantages of this second mover advantage, which is just this huge thing. And all you have to do is do it a little bit better. You know, so for, for me, we focused on, you know, letting customers book appointments online. We focused on providing great customer service. Like if somebody doesn't have a good time, they want a refund, we give it to them. We don't, you know, if something breaks, we replace it right away. Um, <clears throat> you know, so just really focusing on, uh, making sure our, our sales and customer services dialed in, our marketing's dialed in, and that things are easy and convenient for customers. Other than that, we're offering the same service that, you know, like you said, has been offered for millions of years. Nothing's nothing's new or unusual so, outside but, of, yeah. you know. But why, but why am I cleaning? Why did this kind of things happen to you? Because usually, I don't know, maybe people like to clean their houses themselves. So why did that happen? Why did you think of this idea instead of, Maybe more sure. appealing ideas like cleaning houses. Some people, yeah, you are founded a business and there are people who do staff cleaning basically. But sure. some people think of this idea of cleaning things is, uh, you know, I don't know. So, yeah. Well, yeah. So for a lot of our customers, and I was in this demographic too, um, they're just busy. You know, when you're focused on growing and being successful, um, you know, there's this tendency to work nine to five is like a joke, right? It's really like a, you know, 6am to 6pm. Um, 
type of type of life. And when you do that, your your house ends up getting in disarray. Um, and it just gets really hard to manage. Uh, so what we found is the biggest thing that people are looking for, and I was one of these people before I started the company. I, I worked a ton. I had side hustles on top of my 40-hour work week job. Um, and I just never had time to clean. So when I wanted to go find somebody to help me clean uh, back before I started, this was maybe eight years ago, um, you had to talk to friends, ask for referrals. Like, you know, there just wasn't a, you know, call this company, they're going to come and clean and do a good job. And then even when the few companies that were out there, like these kind of bigger franchises, like uh, Mary Maids or whoever, who tended to not be as well run because they were being their franchises. They're not, you know, independent business owners. I mean, they're independent, but you know, they just tend to not have the same, same thing. And then you would call them. They'd have to set an appointment to come to your house to like, look around to then email you a quote, like a week later, it's just this really, <coughs> excuse me, uh, kind of messy system. So, you know, uh, for me being a busy person, who might need some help cleaning my house because I don't have time to do it, uh, having to go through all this extra effort to make that happen just adds this, it, it kind of defeats the purpose, right? So how did you look when you started your business? How did you see your competition? Did you think it's relevant or is it not relevant? And you did not look at it at all because you are going to do certain areas differently? Um, yeah, I mean, you always do a little bit of research on the competition. And back then, um, you know, I, I, my trade, uh, before I started my business, I, I do search engine optimization. That's kind of my superpower. Um, so I'm always looking at the search results, looking at who's competitive and, and where the low hanging fruit is. And this was one of those businesses where people at that time, if they were putting effort into SEO, it was very, very minimal and they weren't doing it very well. So that leaves this huge opening, right? Um, you know, so when I was looking at the competition, I saw uh, it was really hard to get an appointment. You know, you had to call and they'd come to your house and do all that. Uh, so it just took way longer. Um, they weren't doing enough to market. So it was really hard to find them. Um and just those kind of two little pieces, like if I can make it easy to find me and you can call and book an appointment in five minutes, uh, you know, on the website, we say you can do it in 60 seconds, which you totally can just go on there, book it, put a credit card down. Um, it just solves a lot of the problems and makes it a way more compelling offer compared to having to jump through all these hoops, right? So so how, how could you scale this business into 1.5 million? What the things that you did to do the, uh, do you have, yeah. certain, let's say, different <clears throat> services or integration of services within this service or within your business? Or do you offer just one thing? So we, we really just focus on one thing. We only do residential houses. We don't do businesses. We don't do post-construction cleanings or anything like that. We don't do carpet cleaning. We're just, you know, sweeping, mopping, vacuuming. Um, and initially when we first started we experimented with all that right we had a couple offices we were cleaning um and we would go at like 3 a.m to try and clean them and we had some post-construction like somebody just built a new home that we would try that we figured out oh, we're just going to do everything see what works um and what we found out is we had one strength which was 
that kind of white glove, high touch customer service where uh, we're coming into the home, we're making people feel good, um, we're following up with them and, and really communicating a lot. Whereas if you're working for a business, they don't care about that. They just want it to be as cheap as possible. Um, so with that, with that kind of higher touch, consumers are willing to pay a lot more to have a cleaning service than a business is. So we kind of identified that and then figured that's where we're going to hang out and, and stick to. Um, and then from that, uh, the biggest key to growth there is um, just uh, sales, marketing, and automation and trying to make sure that we can automate as much as we can. Mm-hmm. So what I mean by that is, you know, automatic appointment reminders, um, credit cards are getting put on hold before we go to a cleaning so that we don't have to have accounts receivable that we're chasing after constantly, mm-hmm. uh, messages that we send out. So one of the things that we did through kind of our automation process is I have a meeting with my staff every Wednesday. Uh, we bring in all the issues, anything that happened in the last seven days that we need to fix, we talk about them and we work on trying to figure out how we could do it better. So an example I like to share is we do these things that are called move in, move out cleanings. What that basically means is you're leaving your house or your apartment and everything's empty and the landlord needs you to just kind of go through and get it looking as new as possible. Um, and what we noticed is if we didn't tell people ahead of time that they should leave us a key so they don't have to meet us because when they're waiting for us in an empty house, if we don't show up there right at like nine o'clock, if you know, then they get mad. So we got to encourage them to leave us a key. And then we got to share these other kind of steps. So the other thing that people would do is they would have their water and power turned off before we came to clean. And then without water and power, we can't run our vacuums. We can't scrub down the shower, uh, which ends up making it really challenging for us. So we made a automation where when they went online, booked a move in, move out cleaning, and they didn't have a couple of these little extras that we thought they would need, or they, you know, just generally booked that type of cleaning, we would send them this big long email with our pro tips for how to have a successful move out cleaning. And it's a little weird thing that we did, but it ended up saving us like 30, 40 minutes a week on having to call these people back and, and, um, you know, deal with these customer service issues when they were upset that this one part of their house wasn't cleaned or, Mm. you know, whatever else might come up. Um, So just by kind of having that Wednesday meeting, talking about all the issues and automating the things, uh, we were able to um, basically get to the size with an internal office staff of three people, four if you count me. And then um, now we've got 35 cleaners. So, um yeah, so mention, you mentioned yeah. marketing and sales also. So how mm-hmm. do you find a new customer for your business? Do you find it, like as you mentioned, you already know about SEO. Do you do Google? Do you do SEO for your business and your website? Or yep. do you go for other sites like ads and these kind of things? Yeah, so we, we tried everything when we first started. There's a lot of services that kind of cater to businesses like this, like Thumbtack or Nextdoor. Um and we tried all of those and what we found works was just kind of the tried and true um, search engine optimization is our by far biggest leader. Um, so we, we focus on our Google Maps optimization, just making sure we're in that three pack on the maps. Um, so that's kind of our local SEO element. That was a big focus of mine and we're really solidly up there and ranked well there. Um, we did some organic SEO as well. So that's 
content writing, blog posts, just kind of getting backlinks and, you know, basically participating in the community so that you can, you know, kind of, we can all raise each other up. That's a big part of it. Um, That's awesome that you are basically a cleaning business, but you are actually doing content on your website, which is very helpful for people mm -hmm. also to read about certain things and about certain blog posts that may actually benefit them and do the things themselves sometimes. Yeah, well, that's that's a big thing that a lot of people miss when they're looking at SEO. I, I talk to a lot of SEO companies, and they kind of have this old idea of, I'm just going to build you a bunch of backlinks, and I'm going to pay for them somewhere, and then you're going to rank. Um, but nowadays, Google expects a lot more. They, they want you to be an authority on the subject. So the way you establish yourself as an authority is you start writing blog posts. You and and the big part that a lot of people miss is you got to write it and then you got to promote it, <laughs> you know. And then on top of that, uh, actually participating in your community and and the community at large. So doing things like coming on this podcast, um, you know, there's this weird natural thing that happens where you get more than you give. Uh, so you just have to give, you know, that's free information, free content. You know, when, when COVID-19 happened, for example, we had this huge long blog post that, that ranked really, really well, just about the things you can do to sanitize your own home, mm-hmm. the high touch surfaces you need to clean, how, how much, you know, what type of chemicals you have around your house. You know, we had a whole blog post on how to clean with alcohol and how long mm-hmm. you had to have it on a surface before you wiped it away and all that type of stuff. So it's just a really nice, useful, helpful thing. And that, you know, those types of, um, you know, doing that type of stuff establishes you as an authority on a subject. Exactly. So, so can, just, can, yeah. can you tell us about a time where things did not go right for you and whether it's in business or with a customer that yeah. you are providing a service to and how did you handle that? How did you deal with that, you or your team? Oh man. Yeah. I mean, this, this type of stuff happens all the time. Um, one of my favorite stories is, uh, we had a customer who we were supposed to clean for. Um, and we have this thing that happens where because we book everything online and we're not actually going to somebody's house, 99% of the time we, we nail the price and the amount of time it's going to take us. Cause we've just done it so much. I think we've done like 40,000 cleanings at this point. Um, but every now and then we, we miss it. We get a dirty house. Uh, so we went over to this house. Uh, it was an apartment to clean. Um, the notes for how we get into the house is just that we're going to leave the door open. Just let yourself in. So we show up at this apartment. Uh, we let ourselves in. Um, and the house is a mess. It's just really bad shape. Um, and you know, there's, there's different levels of cleaning. Like most houses are going to be, you know, you need a little dusting, a little vacuuming and it'll take us a couple hours. But this was one of those ones where trash was everywhere, like open pizza boxes, just in really bad shape. Right. So we try to call the customer, um, cause we have, uh, we can help with those situations, but we have to kind of get permission to spend a little bit more money to kind of get it all there. Cause it's going to take us twice as long. Right. Um, so we call the customer, leave a voicemail. We can't get a hold of them. We shoot them a text message. Um, and like, okay, we're just going to take care of it. I'm going to pay for the difference and we're just going to get this customer happy. No big deal. Right. That's kind of our, our happiness guarantee. Like we want to take care of people. Uh, so we start working on it and we're, we're, two or three hours into this job. Um, we're just about done. And we get a call from a customer. He says, Hey, where are you guys? And we said, we're, we're at your house. We've, we've been there for like three hours now. We tried calling you. Um, he says, no, I've been here the whole time. Nobody's here. We walked into the wrong house. 
We just straight up broke into somebody's house that was a complete disaster, and we cleaned like the whole thing. <laughs> and we had no <laughs> idea who this person is. The only we don't have a phone number. We basically just have their address. So I'm like, well, at this point, what do I do? Like, do I write them a letter and tell them that I broke into their house and cleaned it? So we we ended up just kind of going over to the next customer's house. We had the team stay a little bit late, and we worked on getting it clean, but we all had a good laugh about it. Yeah. So, so that so type of stuff happens. It happens sometimes. So what advice would you personally give to someone who wants to be an entrepreneur starting a business? Like you mentioned earlier, like we, we don't have to reinvent the wheel and start something completely new because that yeah. will, will require us a lot, a lot of our energy, a lot of our time, a lot of money. So how yeah. should someone... It's a bigger risk. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so people tend to shy away from areas that have a lot of competition. Um, and we tend to look at, we we, we want to start something new, right? But the thing that we forget is, you know, when we're like, oh, if you want to build a Google or a Facebook, you got to do something brand new that nobody's ever done. But people forget that before Google, there was Alta Vista and Yahoo <laughs> and all these other things. Google was like the third or fourth one. Facebook's the same thing. There was MySpace. There was Friendster. Facebook was like the, the fifth or sixth one. So don't look for something that nobody's doing. Find something that you can do a little bit better. So in my case, I could do a better job marketing than my customers were because that was my background. And I could do a better job on customer service because, you know, from what I saw from the competition, they weren't doing that. So don't be afraid to go into an area that has a lot of competition. You know, so if you're looking at starting something smaller and local, which which I like doing because you can still make really good money um, if you're not a national, you know, um, chain. Uh, look for places where there's a lot of people. Like if you see, like home cleaning is a great example, almost any city, you're going to see like 30, 40 of these companies. Um, and that means that there's 30 or 40 people making money doing it. Mm -hmm. If there's only like one person, that means there's probably just enough that only one person can, can make money doing the thing. Um, so, you know, don't shy away from things that there's competition. You know, mm -hmm. the only thing that you have to do when you go into a place that has a lot of competition is you have to do it slightly better. Um, and people tend to not realize how little that change is. You know, so if you look at the difference between like, uh, you know, a Ford Fiesta and a really nice BMW, that BMW is maybe only like five or six percent better than the Ford. <laughs> you know, the the stereo sounds a little bit better. It's a little bit faster, you know, it's the door close sounds a little bit nicer, like the, the materials are just a little bit better, but it adds up to like a $50,000, $60,000 difference when you're buying a car, just a 5% different, you know? Um, same thing with a lot of these home services. So like the biggest thing that we do is we'll answer the phone when people call and a lot of cleaning companies won't do that. So we get the jobs because we're picking up the phone, we're talking to people, we're engaging, we're communicating, except for this one guy's house that we couldn't clean. <laughs> um, I couldn't get a hold of him, but you know, don't be afraid to get into a space that's busy, that's crowded. Mm -hmm. Uh, because there's a lot of opportunities there. You know, you yeah, just have to be a, a little bit better. There is abundance. There is opportunity. You just, like you mm -hmm. mentioned, you have to be a little bit better. Because mm -hmm. eventually people do business with people. So right. it's not just about how much you advertise or 
Well, it could have uh, uh, in it, but eventually people do business with people they, they like. So yeah. Yeah. So what are, do you think, some of the great resources that helped you personally and in your business along the way to improve things? Um, to be honest, I, I found a Facebook community um, that was really helpful for me. So there was, uh, there was a couple of Facebook communities around house cleaning um, that uh, were just really, really great. And that's one of the things I really like about these local businesses um, when you're not competing on a national level. Oftentimes, your indirect competitors, you know, I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, you might have somebody in Chicago who's running a very similar type business giving you advice for free because they just like sharing and helping. Um, so participating in the community and being a part of it and just finding like a Facebook group or, um, you know, a forum where there are people kind of doing like-minded things, going to conferences and just getting in front of other people that have the same goals you do can be a really, really big help. Um, so the, the biggest thing that I could say is just find your people, you know? So do you think there's something important that you would like to say that I have missed asking you about? Uh, no, I, I think the only other thing is, um, you know, invest in therapy and invest in coaching. Um, having a good business coach, um, having a good therapist <laughs> makes a really big difference. I haven't met one entrepreneur that didn't have something that they had to go to therapy about. There's usually something that's pulling almost everybody that I've met that is driven to be successful has something that happened to them or something that they're, they're kind of fighting against is pulling them to be successful. Cause it's not, it's not easy um, to be an entrepreneur. Um, if, if we wanted to make money the easy way, we would go get a job at a Fortune 500 company, work your way up to middle management, and you're making you know six figures uh, with good health benefits, um, to, you know, having a really easy life. Uh, this is a lot harder than that. You know, so for people like me who need to have the autonomy of entrepreneurship um, and the flexibility of money and time. And, you know, um, I have found very few of them that didn't need to just invest a little bit in therapy and a little bit in uh, just a good business coach. Um, there's plenty of organizations out there that do business coaching. And in the United States, there's a free group called um, SCORE. Uh, that's run by the SBA, uh, Small Business Association. And a lot of countries have that uh, or similar similar things. So, you know, just get in front of some people, talk to other people and build yourself a support network. That's probably the most important thing. So if someone asks you about books, are you a fan of books? Do you read books? And absolutely certain books to certain people? Uh, yeah, yeah. There's a ton of books that I really like. Um, and I, I read all the time. Uh, so I always try to give one that people haven't heard of because everybody's heard of like good to great and, you know, think and grow rich and all those, um, a book that surprisingly helped me a lot, uh, was not about business at all. Um, it's called the seven love languages. Uh, basically it breaks the book down into, I mean, it's, it's kind of in the framework of a husband and wife trying to get along, uh, and realizing that there are things that you do or that happen to certain people that make them feel an intense feeling of love. 
Um, you know, so for me, it's acts of service. When somebody does something for me, helps me with a project, I, I get really, I feel this intense sense of love. Um, for my fiance, it's, um, spending time. So if we go out to a movie together or I plan something like a picnic, she really enjoys that type of stuff. She feels this intense sense of love, uh, where that applies to business. And what I see a lot of people missing, um, is, that that's true for for everything and as somebody who employs people you can find that your employees have this sense of love uh they have this sense of you know feeling these emotions and for a lot of business owners who struggle to keep employees uh, or to motivate people which is a really important part of being a leader they tend to focus on the wrong thing. Uh, most entrepreneurs I talk to are like, oh, I just need to pay them more. I need to give them more bonuses. Um, but the person that you're giving a bonus to, they they might not, you know, that for the seven love languages, that might be, give, you know, acts of, or gifts is is one of the love languages. But they, theirs could be time, like it is for my fiance. So it would be way more beneficial. You could write them a check for $500 or you could take them for lunch. You know, lunch is going to be way cheaper, but they're going to get to spend time with you. They're going to feel more connected to you and they're going to want to stick around longer. So identifying, like kind of learning what these are and identifying what they are. Um, for some people, it might be words of affirmation, just letting them know when they did something good, that they did something good and you appreciate it. Uh, we'll get them to stick around way more. So learning those things about your employees and using those um to help motivate and to help retain them uh, is a, uh, a huge, huge benefit that I think a lot of business owners miss. So um, seven love languages is uh, my, one of my, uh, my books that I like to send it's, people it's to. A great, it's a great book. Like I mentioned, it's not to motivate people. It's not always just about the money. Sometimes you, there are different aspects and multiple <clears> ways to, to help people or motivate them to do their best work. So yeah, hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah. Well, so what would you say? One takeaway for the success of Great Nation to to take from this episode? Um, well, uh, I'd say you know keep an open mind. Uh, make sure you're working on yourself. I think if if you want to be successful, you know, there's been plenty of times in my life where I, I felt like I wasn't, um, and the one thing that I kept consistent on is um, I had the grit to not give up. So I kind of mentioned earlier, I had like five or six different businesses I tried before I started just cleaning houses. And it was the one thing that really worked for me. Um, but every time that a business didn't work out, I was just like on to the next one. You know, what's the next thing I can do? What's the next thing I can try? So be gritty. Don't give up. You know, make sure you're taking care of yourself too. That's a really, really important piece. Um, so like I said, don't be afraid to invest in a good business coach, in a good therapist. Uh, sometimes just sitting down and talking with somebody or for, for therapy just helps you kind of identify the reasons why you're doing things, why you're motivated to do stuff. And once you can kind of put a name to those things, whether that's through business coaching or therapy or whatever, it really gives you kind of the superpower to understand yourself and understand why you're doing stuff and to really go tackle things in a different way. Mm -hmm. um, and 
if you're trying to be a good leader and trying to motivate people and, um, you know, when you're interviewing people as a business owner, trying to get them to come work for your company, you really got to be able to bring people in and to motivate them and to get them to want to stick around. And if you don't understand yourself and your own weaknesses, it becomes impossible to do that. Like people see right through it. And it's a very subtle, weird thing, but you know, the more we kind of look internally and, and, um, figure out ourselves and invest in ourselves, it pays dividends. Awesome. Ryan, where can people get in touch with you? They want to learn more about you and your company. Yeah. So the company is Tidy Casa. It's uh, tidycasa.com, T-I-D-Y-C-A-S-A.com. Um, I've also got a blog. Uh, it's my last name. My name's Ryan Knoll. Uh, it's knoll.co, K-N-O-L-L.co. Um, so I've got some some blogs on there. I got a uh, actually a blog on uh, 20 books every entrepreneur should should read. So feel free to go check that out. Um, I haven't posted on it too much, but I'm, I'm gonna I got some coming down the pipeline. So uh, and I'll definitely be posting the success grid up there too. Awesome! Thank you for being here today with me on this episode of the Success Grid Podcast. Yeah, absolutely, Hassan. I, I really appreciate you uh, inviting me out and getting to spend time and nerd out about this stuff. I love talking about it. So I'm happy to come back anytime. Thank you for listening to this episode of Success Grid. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And if you found value in the show, rate and leave a review on iTunes. For more resources, visit successgrid.net. Until next time.